Hello and welcome back to the First Take Film Club. I'm your host, Connor Norcott, and today I'm glad to be joined by my two best buddies over here, Luke Chandley, Liam Jones. How are you guys? Luke, you doing all right? Yeah, doing really, really well. Um, I'm glad to be talking about Blade Runner and Blade Runner 2049, which I had seen neither of and have (laughs) some views on. Some hot takes, some Some good takes. Some hot takes, some cold takes, some lukewarm takes. Ah, I see what you did there. Hashtag lukewarm. That's not going to be the podcast <laughs> thing. That's <laughs> not, not the gimmick that we develop. Not, I hope not. not no. Liam, you doing all right, mate? Yeah, I, I overslept a little bit. Yeah, um, by an hour. So it's not a little bit. Was it an hour? Well, to me, it was. I was meant to come here early to do some things. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I also uh, stepped in dog shit when I got out the taxi. So <laughs> life comes at you fast, Liam. Yeah, life does come at you fast. <laughs> I'm actually feeling pretty good though. Yeah. Yeah. Despite optimistic, yeah, optimistic. I've got a, a nice day ahead. We've got some exciting things going mm-hmm. on. Um, you know, wipe the dog shit off my shoe, ready to go. Blade Runner time, and that's what we should. That's what we should develop. Just get that dog shit off your shoe, yeah, and crack on. Persevere, yeah. yeah exactly. Like being weird to start a podcast for the fourth time, but it's okay. <laughs> we move on. I'm also pretty good. Thanks both of you for asking me. It's okay. Yeah. Um, we used to do it to you to both. Well, I used to do it to both of you a lot, and now I'm on the receiving end. And <laughs> yeah. It doesn't feel too good, <laughs> but. If you're new here, you'll know that you won't know, but this is what we do. Every week we watch a film, maybe two films, maybe three films we'd never saw for the first time and give our first impressions. And this week we have a Blade Runner special. So we've got the original 1982, yeah, the Ridley Scott movie, and then a sequel, Blade Runner 2049 for you. These are two of my favourite films ever. I remember seeing, I remember the both times I saw them individually. And Luke is the only one here that hasn't saw them. So we kind of subjected it to this time for you. How did you feel going into it? Uh, going into it, I um, weirdly right. So <clears throat> going into it, I was ex- so I'll take the two films head on. I was I couldn't be arsed with Blade Runner. <laughs> basically, is that that's how I felt about Blade mm-hmm. Runner. But I was re- I was quite stoked on watching Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Yeah, I think because it's more of a recent one and looked like it like looks beautiful. You probably saw like the we're all part of the film Twitter movement mm. at the minute. And you saw, yeah. you saw probably me retweet all the, you know, the still images of like mm. Roger Deakins cinematography yeah. and it's a Gorgeous. beautiful movie. Yeah. So I can understand why there'd mm. be a bit of, um, I don't know, excitement on your half for that one, but we'll see, we'll see what yeah, you thought yeah. later on. Yeah. I think it's quite often though, with films like that, that you will just put off and put off some, some massive films that I've never seen. And I will just, I've, I've been putting it off. Oh mate, just I'm the exact I've, same. Sometimes you've got to be in that right mental state to sit mm, down and really yeah. take something like that in. Mm. So yeah, I completely. Agree. I've had, I've tried to have a, a month this uh, a month of just all the films I've been putting off that I know are great, and I haven't got around to watch them. I've tried to. So I, I watched, but uh, not Badlands. I watched um, Days of Heaven, the Terrence Malick movie. I watched Paul Thomas Anderson's Magnolia as well this this month. So I'm having a good month of. Mm. Trying to get around the things you've not done before, but I might go watch Hobbs Shaw later. So, oh, I, oh, I am. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I might go. Yeah, you know, between our pod day of podcast news and all that crap that's going on, and before I go to work, try and sandwich, you know, sandwich it with Hobbs and Shaw, which I'm a bit nervous for, but we'll move on. I think if you take it for what it is, we'll be fine. I just pretty dumb action movie isn't it yeah basically yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. looks i think it looks, fun. It looks speaking fun. of uh dumb action movies uh blade runner oh. <laughs> <laughs> i think we should can we get what you how do you sum up how you feel about blade runner connor i think right if you are gonna make a okay right let me let me calm down a minute so i i didn't love the first blade runner the first time i watched it. i was dead confused but there was parts of it that i was completely enamored by and parts of it, those parts still stick with me massively, but 
during the like multiple rewatches and kind of reading up on it, it's become a film that I've just the respect I have for it has kind of just manifested itself in loving the film. And now every time I watch it, I get like not emotional, but it, it there's something it, there's a connection I have with mm. that film that I just can't explain. But I'm going to try to. Yeah, that, that will be good. That will make, uh, that will make, <laughs> make good audio. If you yeah, if, if I just if I just sat and thought about it, you might see it on Instagram. <laughs> um, it's it to me. It's just a film that. Obviously, like we're talking about the the final cut, the 2007 25 year anniversary re-release that Ridley Scott did when he realised that you know after three bites of the cherry, the, you know, some more might be nice to make the perfect one. And I do honestly think it is the perfect sci-fi film. I don't think it's a perfect film, but it's a perfect sci-fi film. And sci-fi is a genre that I adore. Mm. Stuff maybe maybe not so much the the older stuff. Maybe not so much Star. We talked about Star Wars off air. Mm. Doesn't really do it for me. But there's a certain seriousness in Blade Runner and the inspirations from film noir, those kind of hard-boiled detective stories that I really enjoy as well. And then you have Harrison Ford, who's just the coolest guy ever. Yeah, he's such a cool You have the, that wonderful Vangelis score. And then it has these, it poses these existential questions about what it is to be real, about consciousness and, mm. and empathy and all this, but it doesn't really answer it for you. It just leaves it for you to ponder upon. And there's something about that that I just, I'm here for. Yeah, good. That's awesome. That was a really good summary. I think should we end the podcast there? <laughs> okay, that's played on the first the, the first one done. Let's yeah. move on to now. Okay, we'll get yeah. into some brief information about. Yeah, we'll start. We'll start in order. Mm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Makes, it does make sense. It does make sense. Does, we'll start in order. Do you want to? Are you going to discuss? I'll discuss a little bit about a bit of blurb. Yeah, unless any of you would like to. I think Blade if you Runner were to ask me to dis- if you if you Should, were to ask I, me to explain it, I would either do a, that? tell you to fuck off <laughs> or B do the shittest job yeah. and everyone would be like, I'm never watching fucking Blade Runner. Um, it sounds shit. I've seen it three times yeah. and I think every time I've seen it, I've seen a different version. I think a different I've, cut. Oh, yeah, I really? think the first time I watched it, I saw the uh, the original cut because the I, theatrical release yeah i think I, that's on now tv now actually I, I went to watch it last night but. pirated uh it online when i used to do that because i was a bad person yeah um and it was the the theatrical then i watched the um director's cut yeah um i think on like i think i rented it off of like apple for some reason Ooh. or bought it on oh apple. on the itunes store yeah on i always forget store. you could do that yeah, yeah. um i missed doing that uh, yeah and then obviously the other day watched the uh final cut, final cut. so it's all a little bit jumbly in my head as yeah as to which scenes are in which um, um, and what version. yeah what cut has the voiceover what cut has the dream sequences all that kind yeah. of crap. See, there was no voiceover in the one I watched. There was a no the final cut. No, there isn't, and no, that's yeah. kind of what you want. But then it's a bit more it's a bit more film noir. But anyway, <clears throat> I'll just try and sum up the film a little. Yeah, bit. let's. So um, yeah, the original Blade Runner is a film directed by Ridley Scott. Came out in nineteen eighty two, and it focuses on the titular character of a Blade Runner, uh, Rick Deckard, played by Harrison Ford, and he is essentially like a private detective. He's he's tasked with tracking down and, in this lingo, retiring these runaway replicants, which are essentially androids that have escaped and have they've run away, and no one really knows what their plan is. But he's been brought back one more, you know, one more mission to track back, uh, track these replicants down and retire them. <clears throat> and uh, essentially, what you get is kind of like a rather introspective journey that Rick Deckard goes upon while he's doing this and while he's carrying out his mission and then ties in there's a little love story there's you know some pretty heavy ponderings on life and mm. there's also some pretty good action and some pretty good sci-fi in there it's a pretty good movie that was pretty morbid 
it's a yeah. It's a, I think I think uh, the sequels are a little bit more more. Uh, danced in morbid morbidity yeah I completely agree I think it's a very morbid film it's very much tied into life and death but then that's kind of intrinsic with the film noir that it yeah. borrowed so much from I think it. when a film finishes and uh, you question your own existence I think that's a kind of a good film but that's, that's also that's that's so me if I if what I want from movies that's so what I'm I'm here about so I think to question life itself yes because I'm so so bleak and so depressing <laughs> but um, it should be like when this film first came out it, it did not do very well. No, yeah. So the, why do you think that is? Uh, I, well, I've got some. I've got some hot text. Go on. So it was released in the same month as E.T., The Thing, and Poltergeist in the in the same month, July nineteen eighty two. A mad And it got that. it got decimated at the box office because of them, and as well as that, people were going into a film that they thought, okay, they saw Ridley Scott. He he just directed Alien. They saw Harrison Ford. He had just been in Raiders and thought, well, you know, it's going to be a smash mm. hit. This is going to be incredible. And it was such a I think there's so many articles where it said this film was so ahead of its time because it was, it was a sci-fi film on a different, you know, on a different level. It was operating at a different level of, it was quite making you at like question yourself and making you yeah. qu- and people weren't really ready for it. As well as that, it's also quite, it's quite a dense watch for a first time, especially the theatrical release, which is, um, despite the fact it has voiceover, there's a lot of, you you kind of don't really get the journey that that Rick goes on. You don't. It's not very much clear and. Yeah, I, th- I think it just didn't... It wasn't very well received. Mm, yeah. But that kind of added to it because the people who did enjoy it, it kind of amassed this cult following and cult fo- and then it eventually picked up and then on the 10-year anniversary in 1992, Ridley Scott released the uh, the director's cut, which everyone was like campaigning for. Once it got this following, people were saying, you know how they have the release, the, the Snyder cut of whatever mm. that crap movie Oh, that's is. ridiculous. Well, that's essentially what happened with Blade Runner. It was, oh, release the, you know, the Ridley Scott cut. We want the proper movie. And he did. And it was, it got received incredibly well. And this cult following turned into just a general mm-hmm. well regard so for a movie that, like that's, this. That, that exact same thing is going to happen with uh, just, 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 Justice League. Not at all, because you couldn't pay me in... I know you said you had some hot takes, man, but that is the hottest of takes. That well, Justice I was League just about to get on. going to become a classic, but yeah. This yeah. is the best superhero film ever made. 50 years yeah. time, we're all going to be sat around watching... Uh, Showing our grandkids Justice League. And Justice League, the final cut. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the one with the voiceover and the origami unicorns yeah. and all that. Yeah. yeah. So I'd like to ask you two. So, well, I'll start with you, actually, Liam. I, rem- I think I vaguely remember one of the first times you watched this was before watching uh, 2049, wasn't it? I remember you that was kind like, of binged yeah, that them. was the second time I'd yeah. watched it. So, or well, you'd watch the, the theatrical cut, but what did you expect going into Blade Runner? Because... It has kind of garnered this legendary status of, you know, elite sci-fi, elite, you know, just film mo- that people have always wanted to watch but yeah. haven't got around to. I think when anything receives a following such as that, I immediately expect to be blown away. Yeah, I completely get you on um, that. So I'll sit down with my popcorn, whatever, and I will expect to be completely blown away. Um, I don't know if I'm expecting to be blown away with action with the drama of it with the character um the characters um but it in like in in truth it doesn't actually blow it doesn't necessarily blow you away no it doesn't um, not at all. it's a it's more subtle than that it it's as if Ridley scott definitely doesn't want to be in your face with anything everything's so sort of uh nuanced and subtle that 
you kind of have to think about what's happening. Yeah, it's very much than, left to the audience, isn't it? Yeah, rather than having everything in your face. <clears throat> um, so yeah, that was kind of unexpected, only because I didn't know... I knew it was an action film, mm-hmm. a sci-fi action. I don't know what I was expecting. Um, I think I used to get the film Blade Runner confused with the... What's that Bruce Willis... Um, sci-fi film oh, are you thinking of 12 monkeys terry gilliam's 12 monkeys now i don't think so oh, okay. but i'm getting it confused with i used to get it confused with some crazy bruce willis sci-fi film that was like a kind of ridiculous um so yeah i don't know like you know that happens sometimes yeah it happens all the time yeah, yeah. Like, especially because it's in none of our like 82 not like I wasn't born. We've, in we've learned from it from other places, other yeah, than exactly, the film yeah. actually coming out. Whereas I, with forty nine, that's slightly different, which is probably why I was a bit. I remember being subjected, like sit down and watch this. If you if you say you like movies, well, you know you got to watch this one and see yeah. how you feel about it. And yeah, I see, just... that wasn't my experience with it. I ne- I was never told when I first watched it. I was never told, okay, watch this film if you love film, mm-hmm. or only real moviegoers will appreciate this film. Yeah, I yeah, just yeah. put it on and I was like, well. It's a sci-fi <laughs> well, film. Bruce Willis is in this one. Yeah. <laughs> Can't like, wait to see old Bruce. <laughs> I was like, it's a Harris, it's Harrison Ford, you know, it's Han Solo, it's Indiana Jones, it's yeah, a sci-fi exactly, film. Yeah, it's gonna yeah. be super fun and it's not very fun. Is no, it? it's not fun at all, no. I think when I first watched it um as a as a child, um you know, you kind of take it uh, take everything as face value, don't you? Um, oh completely. As in uh the the villains you take for villains. Mm-hmm when in actual fact there's so many layers to these replicants that are being hunted down uh it's kind of way too impressive for me to kind of get over um especially uh roy batty yeah uh, such a awful name in my opinion but Mm -hmm. it is a terrible name but yeah roy batty (laughs) yeah it's like absolutely incredible uh, um antagonist in that film uh yeah so uh, let me jump to you then luke you know, you, I've since since we've known each other, you've probably heard me bang on about mm, this film. Yeah. In the, you know, three figures probably a hundred odd yeah, times. Yeah, a lot of times, yeah. And um, it's been this is one of the films I've been like petitioning for us to do on the mm, podcast, yeah. and I was dead excited for you to get involved. But what did you expect, or what did you think of it? And briefly, did it meet those expectations? Um. So what did I expect? I, I, I don't. I actually don't think I expected any like kind of anything necessarily. Mm-hmm. I knew, I knew it was, I knew it didn't do well initially, and I knew it has gained popularity and yeah. become one of the staples of like the sci-fi genre. So like I, I knew what what that was, but I didn't know. I didn't know what I was what I was getting myself in for, and I, I, I figured out there was a reason. Before I watched this film, was a reason that I hadn't watched it for a mm-hmm. while because I, I realized what 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 happens with this pod is you you get a given film, but sometimes you're not. You just wouldn't watch otherwise, that, and, yeah. that's, and that is the reason that we like we do the podcast. Completely. But as it gets closer to like almost like deadline day, <laughs> I, I, you, I you, get this you get feeling. that little you get that like oh like uh, I just kind of can't be, not can't be asked, but you're like oh I, I could really it almost be doing it feels a bit like now. a chore, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, I've got and that. I put it on, and um, so so I, so I knew I wasn't super down, but I didn't know that the, I had no preconceptions. I just knew like oh this is a very filmy film, yeah, and a lot of people like it. I like Harrison Ford, but I think if I was to, if anything was to turn me onto the film, it would like it would have been his presence, and it, ne- it never has. Therefore, yeah, I, I've just kind of left it. Le- um, left it for the bye. Yeah. yeah, and did it meet? So I kind of had no expectations. I did. I didn't expect to necessarily be like be into it. To be honest with you, really. Yeah. Um, 
and so in that case, yeah, it, it did. It blew my expectations away because I just I watched it and I was I loved it. Like kind of from like the first like twenty minutes, I really liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, a discovery that I've had on this podcast is that I like the charms of older films. Yeah, I, I quite a lot. Um, like even the noise, like the sound of older the sound films, design isn't, film. isn't as isn't as crisp as like mm. a modern day film, and that has a charm to it. Um, it and feels just in almost general, like, like it's the wor- it's the it, it, it's it's quite a familiar story. It's quite I don't know. It feels quite a familiar story. I yeah. mean, in terms of like you've got there was a period where there was like lots of like AI related films mm-hmm. or like kind of like you know bots or. Or like replicants in this case, mm-hmm. so it's kind of a familiar like theme, which I do like. But I didn't know. I literally didn't know the story of Blade Runner. It could have been anything for yeah, me. Yeah, I didn't know what I was like. What I was watching. Uh, I, oh, I would love to like. I did have an opening question for this, but I've completely. I only remembered it now. But yeah. there's certain films that I'd in, I'd love to experience for the first mm. time. And I'm really jealous that this is one of yeah. the ones you've got to. Mm. Do you know? What I'm I mean? made up. I yeah. I, I think it. it it could have been one of the film, the, my favorite first takes. Yeah, that I've done. We've done for you've the podcast. Had some, you've had a pretty good run as well. I have. Had, I have had, <laughs> you've had a pretty I, good run. Before about six months ago, I hadn't seen fuck all, so I have had a great run. <laughs> a um, good run. But yeah, the, it, it was just it was just really good. I yeah. think. And yeah, Liam was right. Like it's not it's not your sci fi where it's like ninety minutes of kind of like explosions and like fast paced no, action and 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 like massive huge revelation. You know, like no crescendos and stuff like yeah. it kind of it builds like the it, the cogs are turning mm-hmm. all along but it's never going particularly fast um but I, and that isn't something i'd necessarily usually like could, could stick around for if i didn't have to yeah um but i just i just did i, I, I just like there is something about it, it that kind of i think because it is kind of slow and pensive and you kind of figure things out with with uh Rick, as you go, mm. that it it does kind of hook you because you're taking everything on the same level that he has, and then well, that I think that's actually I think that's probably a really good point because yeah. like you go into it not know it, like it's a completely new world, regardless of like when you watched it, whether it be ten years ago or now, yeah. And so when Rick's come out of retirement and he's essentially been asked to kind of jump on one last job, yeah, and he's finding <clears> new things out as you're finding new, so you you get a little glimpse of the world, yeah, but you're finding these things out as the character is. So, like, mm. what's shocking him or what, like, is a discovery for him is a discovery for you. And, it, yeah, it's hard to describe, but... You know why I think this film has has become so transcendent is because I find it an exploration of empathy and how you develop empathy. And whether you think... We'll get on to the main question of, you know, Deckard's actual identity, whether you think he's, he's a human or a replicant. But whether you believe that or not, you can see that he is developing empathy throughout, and because of that, you kind of go along with it as well. And you can, because you put yourself in this this place, you're kind of seeing the world through his eyes, like Roy Batty says to uh, the guy that I can't remember. I think he says it to Leon as well. If I could see the world through your eyes, <clears throat> because you're seeing this and you're getting this level of empathy, it becomes so you become so involved in the narrative. Even if the narrative does seem quite simple, everything that's being explored throughout, like because of it becomes so important to you, do you know what I mean? I, I don't know, that's, yeah. how I, that's how I view it anyway. I think um, with a lot of films that deal with um, sort of robots, AI, or um, even like extraterrestrials, I think uh, there often is, uh, you know, a question of empathy and emotion and do you 
can you feel for something that isn't human? Mm-hmm. Um, or can the thing that isn't human feel like yourself? Yeah. Um, I think that's <clears> an, <throat> that is a common trope in films with AI yeah. uh, um, in it. Yeah. So I wasn't so surprised that with that part of it, um, I think maybe the way that they did it was a little bit different to maybe some other films I think it's pretty ahead of its time on that yeah. as well apart from uh, Metropolis that's probably one of the only ones that actually explored that in, in my head yeah. anyway yeah w- were there any proper moments that stood out to you like what 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 moments stood out that kind of grabbed you and made you like this either the world or the character or the just the narrative there was I, was, I knew this question was going to come up because it always comes up every time yeah it's a classic it's a classic it's question classic. um Nothing. This makes me sound like I didn't enjoy it. I really did, but nothing like massively stood out. Mm-hmm. But then it's it's when you when I'm when I was watching the film, it's like with a few other films that that that, that I've watched, you you t- you're trying to figure out things and you're trying to take loads of things in while at the same time actually just trying to watch watch the film. Um, so stand, stand, I just think that I think the world in general really, yeah, and what's going on, and it is a bleak world, whereas it's. In forty nine, it's slightly different, and I've got some things to say on that, mm-hmm. but uh, in a, in a, in a nice way. Um, but the, honestly, there was not there was not a standout part. Like a certain and, one certain instance, there wasn't. It was kind of no, just not like really. An no, of, no. Yeah. yeah, it was just all like, a, yeah. I, you got anything to add to that? Because it was like, mine was a shite answer, Liam. No, it was good. But I liked it. Sorry, what was the question? We <laughs> <laughs> um, just did a very very big stretch off. <laughs> yeah. What what stood out for you? Oh, the end. The, yeah. the last yeah. third is incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, I tweeted out after I just watched it, um, just saying about the Tears in Rain monologue from Roy Batty's character played by uh, Rutger, Ho- Rutger Hoyer. Yeah, um, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a Dutch name. I, I, w- yeah. I wouldn't try and butcher it myself. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I just wrote about how kind of poignant it was and sort of how more impactful it is now that he's passed away because the monologue is all about uh kind of life after death yeah. or uh, you know what you experience in life and the meaning of life in just a few words and the fact that he actually um kind of edited that part of his speech he edited edited it himself yeah um i'm not quite sure what was there before he uh, it was like it. it was a couple of pages long apparently yeah it, yeah. Was, it was dead long and he the fact that he could condense it so yeah. well you're completely spot on on that I think it's one of the most beautiful little bits of monologue um, ever. Yeah, in my opinion, it's one of those things that it's iconic. It lasts it with you. It will always iconic. last with you. Yeah. Um, don't get me wrong. He's done. He'll be. He'll be known for so much more than just Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. But that scene alone is kind of transcendent and is incredibly amazing. And this blew me away yeah it is it, especially when you consider that he's, he's just passed recently as well there is something so like saccharine and so there's so sickly sweet about enjoying something like that because you're seeing a, someone so embodied in a character like mm. that and it should you should know as well that the i haven't brought this up but the replicants um I've, are only given a four-year lifespan yeah and that's key to the that's a, an integral piece so they're well, yeah that's what they're after they're after to they're, <clears throat> they're trying to extend their extend life extend their life yeah and which is really when you when you do really think about it and uh, you think about what they do to try and try and get there mm-hmm. you it's un- understandable i think yeah that that's for me like all of it is great and, mm-hmm. and it's like you know it isn't that 
there's intricate parts and there's bits you can take away that the more you watch it. But the storyline isn't actually particularly like I said this off air. It's not particularly convoluted. It's quite mm-hmm. straightforward. But I think adding that in, I mean, you couldn't really have a film without it. But the lifespan, yeah. You know, you've got these replicants, and they are quite like I think they're really interesting characters. Is the like the woman and the guy, and then obviously Chris, yeah, Chris, and then it's Chris. I think they're so they're so interesting, kind of like Leon. uh, I can't even describe them, but they they are they were my five favorite characters. Really, yeah, yeah. But the fact that like they they are obviously a bit a bit strange. They are the the, like the kind of they are the the, antagonist. Yeah, they're the antagonist. But with the four years and extending life, and all they want is to continue to live. That is an absolutely yeah. am- excellent little the, bit, little feature to add yeah. in. I think just with that Tears in Rain monologue as well, it completely uh, flips your kind of view of them being an antagonist. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. before, just before that monologue as well, you see the pain in uh, sort of Roy Batty's face when his hands uh, starting to seize up as his life is about to expire. That's yeah, that's and, a really beautiful. You know, point. he shoves a nail through his hand because he's so desperate to feel something and stay alive and yeah it's kind of heartbreaking and i think that's quite important as well and it's kind of important to the narrative to make you realize that uh these replicants have kind of unjustly been brought into the world unfairly been brought into the world to only just you know live a four life exactly four year life and they're they're essentially used as slaves that's what they were brought in for yeah and then you have uh i i think that's all that's you've completely nailed it you've completely got blade runner 101 a star ticked mm-hmm. off whatever but then what's so impressive as well from from Ridley Scott's point of view adapting this film for, like, from the novel is what's been changed and how he held how he uses Deckard in a totally different light he has in Ridley Scott's mind Deckard is also a replicant so when you see that tears and monologue you know that final scene that final confrontation between the two and Roy Roy's character decides to give up and eventually you know relinquish his life and die time to die it's also like holding up a mirror to to Deckard because he's well he he started to become aware that he's a replicant at least in Ridley Scott's mind not mm. in Harrison Ford's mind. So this is just a mirror image of what potentially could have lay ahead for him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so it, yeah. it it doesn't just it doesn't just make the antagonists seem like or to flesh them out a bit and make them not just bad guys, but it also makes the adds, good guy feel yeah. like. Oh crap! Well, it, I'm, adds I'm on this. To, it adds something to his story, and as well it? as that, you've got Rachel, who, who he's started to develop this love for. He's also realised that she's this. This could be her fate as well, and that's why it's such a beautiful film because it's all very cyclical and it's all quite. I mean, it's quite bleak. Like it's very mm, bittersweet, yeah. but there is something so so impressive on how you adapt it into that. I think it's it's what it's just under two hours long, maybe. It's yeah, like I think one fifty yeah. something. Like, I think it was. That's impressive, yeah, man. You can get perfect. all of that mm. dense information. Mind you, it took him five or six times to get the cut right, but yeah. like when you can do that and condense it into just under two hours, it's fantastic filmmaking. I think the theories are interesting surrounding Deckard. Yeah. Um, there's one where um, it suggests that the Tyrell Corp um, kind of. Make, uh, w- uh, meant for everything to happen. Yeah, uh, it was all a test for Deckard as a new replicant mm-hmm. uh, to see how he would cope with, you know, dealing with these other older, older versions of mm. replicants. Um, yeah, it's kind of an interesting take that you know this is. Ho- it's like it's a little bit Matrix, isn't it? Like it's his life you know is what, a simulation. You know what's really kind of what's really interesting on that theory is that you know the opening scene. So you have the 
Los Angeles, tw- the 2019, yeah, or November, whatever, 2019, and then you have the, you know, the flash of the green eye that's been illuminated in like the flames of the yeah, the yeah. world, the world that's coming up. So Rachel's character has green eyes, and Terrell is using her as like an all and eye almost. Do you know what I mean? So if, to prove that theory that, or to maybe not to prove it, but to elaborate on that theory that the Terrell Corporation planned this all along, this was one big elaborate test. Ridley Scott even said that when you see that eye, you're watching the film, but the film is watching you. And the film isn't just watching you, it's watching Deckard. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. this is the manifestation of yeah, well, there's, the overseeing. Yeah, because very it, big brother. Very there's got to be a reason why every time uh, Deckard does something uh, remotely kind of noteworthy, the police are co- uh, right there yeah, straight he's away. he's always They're, there. That's he, a good point. Yeah. What, what, um, uh, Gaff, yeah, played by Edward James almost. He's yeah, always there. He's, yeah. I, I find that there's an also there's a, a similar theory that says he's the actual Blade Runner in the movie. <laughs> he's the one, oh, really? and because he says at, right at the end, he says to Deckard, uh, "You've done a man's job today," and then he's yeah. uh, and there's something else about oh, yeah. letting letting her get away, saying that like, "Oh, she's gone, is she?" <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah." <laughs> he knows it's all happening. Yeah, I am. Um, I've got an answer to the my favorite bit in it oh, okay actually. Go um it was a scene with the uh so where rachel and um deckard are sat down and he's asking her the question so it's when they first meet oh the voice comes test be, yeah put yeah. Uh, puts her behind like the camera thing and mm-hmm. in the eye um and but oh, because like i think up to that point kind of it's it's just a straightforward like kind of detective film and yeah. then it's when that i don't know what his name is the tyrell what's his first yeah, name I've, yeah I've whatever tyrell, it is, tyrell yeah. yeah he um he says like you know, you, you see it kind of like not not a montage, but like a you see them pass through to a hundred questions, and he says like you you didn't like it takes a hundred questions, yeah, like, hundred you know, plus. It, it yeah, usually takes plus. twenty to thirty or something. Yeah, isn't yeah. It? It, it, to, and I just thought like, okay, that's when you kind of think, oh, oh right, right, okay, so so what, like yeah, and um, I th- that's where the film opens up, I think, yeah. for me, in my opinion, especially like, it also kind of relates to her as well because she, I think she thinks she's human up until then, mm. until that test when. Well, until he eventually tells her, but that test must have set some doubt in her head. Do you know, yeah, what I mean? yeah. even the fact that especially she can if feel they're as intelligent is... as yeah, they can create emotions and feel like a, yeah. A, but that's that's the that was the moment where it kind of opened a little bit up for me. It's like it's like one of those it, questions like kind of trying to figure kind out. Of could it? have happened. Yeah. It could happen from then on. Um, yeah, it just and I did that. That's the thing that I did think of before. But I, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, question. Yes. Um, so I think the narrative can be a little jarring at times. I, I think I I, I, I agree. It's with not. That. Don't get me wrong. I don't believe narratives always have to be linear when they are meant mm-hmm. to be linear because it it sometimes that just isn't isn't how what, you tell what, a story. How you yeah. tell a story, but I just think it's so jarring sometimes uh, and doesn't always explain everything. I I understand that you know you want the audience to be open to interpretation, but I think. Uh, in terms of, you know, Deckard's choice to go to certain places aren't really explained uh, mm-hmm. sometimes. Um, I don't know, maybe they are, or maybe I've just not realised that... Uh, no, in my opinion, they're not, because, I, there's the, you know, when you're watching the film, it's like... And it's like, oh, now they're here, but I don't know how they're... And it's up, but it's... And it's for me, so, sorry, I'll just jump in. For me, you kind of, um, like, you do think... I'll fucking miss something here because yeah. I'm concentrating on something else. But I, it's, it's nice to hear from someone who's seen the film a couple of times that like, oh, actually, no, sometimes they just do jump into a bit. There is, there is. Some... Do you know what I mean? Because it's quite hard to figure out sometimes. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Liam, sorry. 
Oh no, I that that's kind of the mm. my point. But I'm, I can completely understand that. There are some instances where I remember being like, "Why the hell is he, you know, trying to buy yeah. a fucking robot?" Snake that happens in forty nine, though. For and me, I was in like, my opinion, that happens in forty nine. I think it happens less, but we can I, get onto I that think, later. I think the narrative is more neatly explained in twenty forty nine, um, but mainly probably because the, there's one cut only, and you know they made sure that. Yeah, he was asked. He was like, "Is this gonna be? Is there gonna be another like a final cut, a director's cut, a long cut?" And he was like, "No, this is yeah. I, I'm done now." It could the aim should be not to. Yeah, surely, do you know what I mean? To, yeah, but it could well be uh, one of the reasons, though. It is so jarring is because there are so many cuts, yeah, and it's true. a very long movie. Yeah, we'll get on to we'll get on to 2049. Oh, do you mean the? Original? Oh, sorry, I mean the original. Yeah, oh, yeah, com- yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Um, I, I can agree with you on that then. When uh, the final the final scene, uh, well, not the final scene, one of the final scenes when he goes to. Um, the guy, the the man who has the toys. Uh, what's his name? Oh, oh yeah. God, I can't remember his name. Yeah, the, he's a human. He meets the uh, what's her name? Pris. Pris. Yeah. Pris. Yeah. He's um, he's essentially like a go between between Tyrell and and you know making the replicants, and they have mm. this ongoing chess game that, and that's how Roy Batty gets involved. Oh, it's involved. Sebastian, isn't it? Yes. yes. Something, something, one, Sebastian, yeah, yeah. isn't it? JF Sebastian. JF Sebastian. Yeah. So, uh, Deckard goes goes there to mm-hmm. his uh, house, uh, mansion, whatever the hell it is, to get Pris and uh, Roy Batty. But does it even explain why he goes there? How does he know to go there? It this kind of, to me, it just kind of jumps to him there, uh, walking into the building, and it's not really explained why he's there, how he knows they're there. Like, how would he know they're there um, when the only reason Pris... Um, originally went to Sebastian's house. Was because by Roy, yeah, no, Roy tells. Roy, Roy talks about it. Uh, fair enough. When I they thought f- it by chance. You know the but... eye, the eye guy, the eye doctor. I just do eyes. That yeah, weird guy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, did he mention Sebastian? He that's... says that's the only way to get to them. And then right, okay. Roy uses Pris. Who Pris is, is technically... that in the final court? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Roy uses Pris to. I think it's, it's a, this is when the gender politics of this film gets a bit disgusting. She's essentially made as a um, a pleasure model do you know mm-hmm. what i mean so yeah. he uses her to kind of manipulate and it is like there's there's a kind of weird sweetness between sebastian and pris but there's certain you know cutbacks after he turns his back and there's her face is so manipulative and so yeah it's really I uncomfortable love the cutback where she's like where he asks her in for food or something or and then she's like smiling and, and then she he walks off and her mm-hmm. face just turns like yeah you know, turns like that but it's kind of like her craziness is kind of like a manifestation of like her frustration and yeah, anger for, of, of being I love that character just Chris, so yeah I like so Chris twi- very much as tw- well twisted yeah. and weird and a bit yeah. like a bit like one one movement away from just going completely off a yeah. fucking cuff and uh, I, I yeah Dar- I love that character Daryl Hannah isn't it Daryl Hannah yeah mm-hmm. she's in um, <clears throat> you might know her from Kill Bill she plays God, I haven't seen the, Kill Bill in uh, ages. The, the lady with the eye patch in Kill Bill. Uh, I, I can't Kill remember. Bill I can't ages. remember her. No, not can I, but even but so. she does the whistle. Yeah, I'm not going to try and do the whistle because my throat's a bit sore. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, so, yeah, she's a very, very good actress. Uh, I'll, I'll move on a little bit, but I just want to touch on the the world. The world building mm. in this film is is next level in my book. Like, how did he shoot it? Was it all miniature? Um, most of it is, but there was many. So, I think in 19. Oh, in 1982, actually, Wrath of Khan, the Star Trek Wrath of Khan came out, and it was one of the first ever uses of, like, CGI in the really early stages. And then um, Ridley Scott used some of the, those the production methods because he had the same, um, like, production designer to, like, replicate some of the shots. So the opening shots of the, like, sweeping through the city and that, 
Yeah, they're amazing. I think that's the, the first use of CGI. Incredible. The score is 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 so part is like so intrinsic in the DNA of Blade Runner that if you it used amazing, yeah. any other piece of music, that film it, would be it, good. It, it makes me honestly just listening to the score kind of just makes me a little bit. It's excited. A, it makes me a bit emotional. Yeah, it definitely, it's beautiful. It adds it, it adds arguably as yeah. much to a film that I've heard a score oh, add to a film. Uh, no, before. yeah, absolutely, yeah. like absolutely. And it's what's nice about that is actually it's not like. It's not bombastic, you know. Scores usually add to a film because mm-hmm. they were like, like almost like piggyback a film. They're P- used piggyback to the visuals, but actually, yeah. it's, it's actually used to emphasize kind of the slowness and the eeriness of the of what you're actually watching. I completely agree with you. I think when you create a world as as full of life as Blade Runner, you ha- the score is so relevant to that film that it essentially becomes another layer of texture. Do you know what I mean? It's another mm. layer of depth for you to analyze and pick apart and kind of just revel in and enjoy because it's such a beautiful composition by the guy, the, Vangelis. The Vangelis, composer, yeah. Vangelis. Yeah, he, he also did Chariots of Fire, which yeah. is also iconic. And Incredibly you, synthy as well. That's it. Uh, yeah, it's inc- yeah, yeah. crazy. Banana, is that, that yeah. crazy. You do just get some some people who are just, you know. He, yeah, that's a genius. A moment of yeah. pure genius. Yeah, yeah absolutely, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll come to you with... I've got two more questions, but okay. maybe I'll keep them short. Okay. So how did you feel about um, the kind of journey that Rick goes on? Did you think it was rewarding enough? Did you think it was a bit self-serving? Did you think, like, did you enjoy it? How did you feel? I'll come to you firstly. I'm like, so obviously he starts off with this mission to track down the replicants and inadvertently, you know, falls in love with one and Rachel. Um, the other four that he was tracked or told to track down have been retired, mostly by him, some mm-hmm. not by him. Did you feel it was a like a good character arc that he went on, or um, is it a little bit too left open? I think it's a little bit too left open. Mm. I I prefer the character arc of the replicants. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's not so much of an arc; it's more of just a downward their spiral. journey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, their mission, more or less. Yeah, I yeah, I don't think he's such a well-rounded character mm-hmm. um but i don't th- but i think that's intentional i completely um, agree with you because it leaves a door open to all sorts of possibilities of who he is why he is uh you know um i, don't know, I was I gonna know, say I know, someone else yeah. after that but <laughs> how he is <laughs> i was gonna say <laughs> when he is <laughs> <laughs> and then i i suppose then for you look on your first watch i think obviously we said that like you're seeing the world through his eyes but and you empathise with you know how he feels about certain scenarios, but did you actually enjoy his character? Did you actually did you actually find him interesting? Or um, I didn't. I think actually I did enjoy. Yeah, I enjoyed him, but I, I don't think he said. I think he more served a, a purpose for the story than like because yeah. the, the creativity and the interest comes from like the world, the score, the, yeah. like you know, the replicants, kind of like the, the industry that's going on around. And he's just like the vessel f- to get you through from one point to another. I completely agree with you. And it's like, there. weirdly, like I, I feel bad saying that about a character that like Harrison Ford has taken on, but you could, obviously you couldn't see the world without watching it through his eyes. So you are, it's almost, it is like a, it is li- literally like a vehicle that drives you through the film. Um, but the actual character, I don't think, it's he's yeah it's it's fine it's it's fine like I, I like the fact that yeah he went you know he he went on the journey and then kind of like fell in love with like a replicant and then you're also like oh I mean I never got a question of I did briefly but yeah. I never got a huge question of thinking he was a replicant I see yeah but I like the idea that 
he throws up a question of is he or isn't he and you know there's no kind of you never get to see yeah. totally behind the curtain what's there I think that's my favourite thing mm. about this movie yeah, yeah, and I sure. keep saying like oh this is my favourite thing this is my favourite mm. thing because I'm so enamoured by this yeah, but yeah. I love that it isn't it's so comfortable with um, obviously it provokes and, and it kind of forms these questions for the audience to interact with but it never actually prompts you to make a decision and it never really makes a decision itself it's more or less just like it kind of doesn't matter it doesn't matter it's an exploration mm-hmm. and it's about feeling empathy so whether you think he's an, that, you know, a replicant or not or whether you think his character arc was good enough you can understand the beats in that to make it work and yeah. essentially then you're feeling the exact same thing he's felt because he can understand the beats in that that made the replicants work yeah, yeah, it's all absolutely. incredibly cyclical and incredibly well done but I think I think it, we're a little bit unlucky to to be doing a this as a as a f- first take in that if if we could all say we've all had actually had five takes <laughs> and then we can come back and discuss yeah. because like because like, four hours it, long it, it's nice <laughs> the fact that Connor like is a you know maybe it's his favorite film Liam you've kind of seen it three four times and I've not said so we've all covered each other's back in that sense mm. and we've yeah, all got definitely. different views but as like a, as a watcher for the for the first time. I just hear you guys talking about it and there's and you kind of see scenes or things happen mm-hmm. where you can, I think you can almost tell that has an importance that I just uh, haven't more, figured out yet. There's more yeah. here than like like when we spoke about get get out where there's a lot of like you wouldn't call them Easter eggs but little like lines oh, yeah. or little things in the background that you could see that added more. Mm-hmm. But on your first take, you're just watching kind of the story and then taking yeah. anything else in that you can and being a bit of a sponge. Do we think it's a good or a bad thing when uh, when it takes more than one viewing to understand a film? Depends. And I mean, sometimes, it, like, say with Blade Runner, the first time I watched it, I, yeah, I was, I was a, a little young, but I was completely lost. Um, it took me... You know, not until not until my second viewing, until I kind of roughly understood mm. what was going on. Yeah, is it a good thing or is it a bad thing? I understand for I'll let Luke answer first because yeah, okay. I've got my I've got my very strong opinion. On I this. actually don't I don't think it's a bad thing because because it, it didn't lo- it didn't lose me or like I mean obviously what like watching it younger I can see where like you would be kind of like well what because you don't understand the context of some shots of the to leave you pondering they're just yeah. like let, almost like they just you just put them there and that's that you don't understand that context when you're younger mm-hmm. I was watching it as an adult I thought I got the I got the story you know it took me through to the end some of it confused me slightly but not enough to be like I haven't got a fucking clue what's going on here <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but then it also like we're talking about it now and it, it, it's excited me to watch it like a second time just to be just to kind of be like oh what can I pick up yeah. almost um, so I don't, I don't think I don't think it's a bad thing but I also, th- uh, to, to to argue against what I've just said, there's probably also people who are less interested in, I think if you're watching it as like a, not like a blockbuster, but as like a popcorn movie, yeah. it'll probably leave you a little bit like, that's where oh, I was, I'm not going to watch gonna, that again. Or, I was going to jump in with that and say sorry, that. Yeah, good. The idea, like this is obviously a, a pretty massive film mm. and... If if you were one of those, I say, I'm going to say lucky people because I would have loved to have been them. People in 1982 that got to watch this in cinemas, it's f- fuck you for a start because I'm so jealous. But mm-hmm. I also feel kind of bad for you because you're probably going to go in with the idea to have your socks blown off, and that's definitely not what happened. Yeah, I know. But I, I was going to say before about so it didn't do well, and it clearly made, it wasn't the film it. The, the initial release wasn't the film that the final cut is yeah. for whatever like, you know you could say that for good or for Myriad bad reasons yeah. but we've 
we've got the whole so the lifespan of the film, the journey that the actual like film, as in the creation of the film, went on, lasted mm-hmm. well about thirty years, maybe just just shy of thirty years. Two to two thousand seven, yeah. Yeah, so pretty long. What's it? Yeah, twenty uh, whatever. So, math is my forte. But um, like we, so we've got to watch it after the journey. So the journey's finished. It's the final cut. Yeah. So we can take it. You know what I mean? We can take yeah. it all in for what it is. But if yeah. you're watching it at the cinema and you're like, you don't know that there's going to be two other cuts in, exactly. in the next thirty years, you're going to be like. If it confused you, or if it just it just wasn't good, in yeah. your opinion, yeah. then you're just gonna fuck it off, aren't you? Mm. When really there's so much more that's been added, and that's a nice thing in a weird way, but also just, that's just not what the industry. It's not what it should a, be. You it should, should be, it, yeah. it shouldn't yeah. have to be like that. But when yeah. it has got to this point now, where 2000, the 2007 final cut is is so revered and is is considered the only one you need to see, when you can watch that and and if you can go into it and, and there's a lot of it that. You can, you can. I think with, I watched it for the first time when I was like sixteen, and it it lost me. But there was some elements that I loved. The world I loved, sound design I loved. I quite liked the character of Deckard. I just love Harrison Ford. He's just the yeah. coolest dude ever. He's a dude, yeah. And um, but quite a lot of it lost me, especially the, you know, like the end. And why the fuck did he just let himself die? I didn't get it. Do you know what I mean? Mm. But now that you can watch this final cut with you know a more formed film brain, we'll mm. call it. And if you if you want to go back and pick things apart, the film completely encourages you. It encourages yeah. you to do, it. and this cut of the film definitely does. And I think that's a good thing because it's like you're constantly consuming an art form that you can't really get full from. You're constantly enjoying something that isn't. It isn't gonna you know leave you feeling sickly. Yeah. It's just gonna make you feel kind of. It's I, it's, it's like little bits of knowledge just being. It's good. It's into a your good head. thing if it, if you allow it to be a good thing for yeah, exactly, you, and, yeah. it's, and and if you're not. Which isn't a bad thing if you're not prepared to be like, um, you know, I'll watch it again and again and again, which yeah. is, you know, I mean, probably most 60, 70% of film viewers aren't going to just go, you know what, actually, that was a bit mad, I'll watch it again. Yeah. But if you allow it to happen at you and then be like, let's go back for more, mm-hmm. then it's a good... So it's weird, isn't it? It's like the, the answer's kind of like, yeah. yeah and no, I think. Well, I think uh, the guys that wrote the, the screenplay for it, mm-hmm. um, Hampton Fancher and David Webb Peoples as yeah. well, um, they deserve massive credit because I think um, it's the it's the script that is so kind of poetic and so uh, you know you can kind of decipher it in a way, and it takes more than one or two viewings to decipher some of the things that are said and interpret them in different ways. And completely agree. Um, yeah, just uh, how do we think it compares to? Uh, 2049. Ah, okay. Let, let's, let's do popcorns first. Yeah, oh, yeah. actually, let me ask you one question. In mm, a sentence okay. or a word or whatever, is Descartes a replicant? I know we said it doesn't matter, but I want to. I just want to know what you think. I don't think so, no. You don't think so, Liam? Oh, it's going to be more than one word. I never used to think he was, and now I, now I believe he is. I think he there is... Yeah, he is, yeah. I'm going to just say that he is, mm, yeah. Okay, yeah. let's give popcorns, because um, I'm so excited to give the first 100 popcorns on the podcast. I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> give my popcorns. Uh, I'm gonna give it a um, eighty-three. I think. Oh really? Mm. That's, that's quite a, high. That's, I'm so happy that's your first yeah, second. You've given it eighty-three. That's high considering it's your first viewing. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I really. So, so uh, mine would so have been eighty-three almost, on my first viewing. <laughs> no, well, neither would. Well, no, but for, I was sixteen. For, for as much as you can, t- so for as much that I, as I could physically kind of take in, sponge yeah. in. Yeah. I lo- I loved it. Like it. I really, I fucking really liked it, and yeah. I watched it. And it finished, and we always do this in our house. So we watch it, watch a film, and I, well, I always do it. Even when I come to the cinema, I'll just be like, "Bleh," and there's the th- that's how I feel about it. And I said, 
to my housemate, I was like, I fucking love that. That was great. And he turned to me and was like, I, I thought you wouldn't you like would. it. He was just like, I, I didn't think you'd like that. Um, which is interesting how people think that you will and won't like things. But, yeah. uh, but no, yeah. Connor, I, th- I Connor, did, Connor didn't think you'd like it. I didn't think you'd You like didn't it. think I'd like it? Only because... I, hey, that, that's a good question for you then, I suppose. What, what, what did you... Why not? Like, I just what, thought, what did you think? I don't know. I, I, I just thought because it's so, it's so quite slow and it's very... Yeah. It's very it, it's just so concerned with telling the story mm. or t- exploring the themes it wants to in however the fuck I it think wants it, to. Do you know I, what yeah, I mean? I think his uh, opinion might have been based on the fact your favourite film is about time. <laughs> yeah, hey, might. I've <laughs> always stuck up for that. I love really? it. Really? <laughs> oh, I've never seen it, so I'm not going to I think About Time is a great movie. You've never seen no, it? No, I've never oh seen it. Oh my God, dude. I was it? thinking last night, I was like, I wish one of these guys hadn't seen fucking About Time. Oh, I think About yeah, Time is really seen it. And if you don't, on a future episode. If you don't cry, you're fucking heartless. You will love it, mate. You will love it. You are too different guy <laughs> if, if even I like it you'll, I think you'll love it oh uh, my popcorn yeah what would you give it Liam uh, I would give it 80 wow it's still, it's still yeah, that it's still high yeah, that, yeah, high. very high yeah, it gets yeah. a 91 from me does it I think it's the best sci-fi film ever made mm. forget 2001 forget any of the Star Wars movies forget any of that crap mm. it's not, nah. there's another really Including... Scott film that I prefer so okay well uh, yeah I prefer Alien Alien, I think Alien is is a fantastic. Do you like movie. it more than The Matrix? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know why. I, I don't know why I asked that as if I, I was Alien. Like, do you like oh! Alien more than The Matrix, or I like both of them more than The Matrix? Alien. Yeah, I, I think Alien is Alien's an incredible movie, incredible. but Alien it's also great. Alien's awesome. Never mind, it's a horror movie as well. So. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> but then Blade Runner. Yeah, am I right? I think we should definitely move, yeah, let's move on. To, we've got about twenty five minutes to. Uh, Would one of you like guys like to try and uh, you know give a little brief summary of? Blade Runner 2049. Here's I how I feel about that. Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly, mate. Okay. okay. More hey, than, look, more than Blade Runner I was offering zero, zero. Yeah. I, uh, I just fucking <laughs> so confused by this film, mate. <laughs> okay, I was just offering it out. I was no, offering thank, it thank, thank, thank you very so, much. So uh, it's set in uh, okay. 2049. It's set in Blade Runner world. <laughs> All a right, dystopian okay. future in 2049, yes. Los Angeles. Yeah. Oh, Ryan Ryan Gosling is handsome, and Harrison Ford is back. It's Blade Runner (laughs) nineteen no twenty forty nine. Harrison Ford is handsome. Uh, Ryan Gosling. To be fair, Ryan Ryan Gosling's character K. Yeah, he is a replicant. Yes, he is uh, definitely a replicant because it states he is a replicant. So there's no oh, is he? Isn't he? Well, is he? No, he is. Yeah. He is. He is yeah. um, well, that's what you I'm going to try. I'm going to try because no, I'm going to give fine, myself fine, a little. I'm going to give myself a little challenge. Yeah, buy a drink. Go ahead, man. Ryan Gosling plays Kay, a re- uh, a brand new replicant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who mm-hmm. is st- he's a Blade Runner, just like Deckard, and he is um, taking out. Some, oh, so there's a blackout, right? There's a blackout that's happened. Yeah, <laughs> we got. Yeah, okay, okay. There's okay. a blackout that's happened, and I'm not sure what that means. Uh, I can't remember what it said at the start. I've only seen this film twice. And no, I, I the first just... time was when it came out. In this, I watched it in the cinema, and oh, I, I well, it was beautiful to watch. It was amazing. Um, I cried. Oh, of course you did. Twice. Of course <laughs> you did. But um, <laughs> you know. A young Blade Runner's discovery of a long-buried secret leads him to track down former Blade Runner Rick Deckard, mm-hmm. who's been missing for 30 years. And that was off the top of my head. That boys. was really wow. good. That was off the top of my head. Off the top of, of my IMDb head. Yeah. 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 
Incredible. Yeah. Well done, Liam. Would well you, done. Would you add anything to that, Connor? <laughs> I mean, is there, you know an, is there another website that you won't be quoting? Uh, no, actually, I think that's pretty fine. It does, it, yeah, it focuses mostly on um, Ryan Gosling's character, Kay. And like Liam said, he goes on this, he's set on this mission. He's a, he's a blade runner and he tracks down, at the start of the film, he tracks down a, a character played by Dave Bautista. Uh, Morton Sapper is his name. And he... He's, he's really good in that he five is minutes. And that open, do you know the opening fight scene yeah. with the... You've got the kettle boiling in the back. That's yeah. so oh, yeah. filmy. That's so filmy. Five it's, times. It's, you know, it's beautiful. It's such a beautiful... But anyway, he tracks him down and, and upon leaving, after retiring Morton Sapper, he finds this discovery that leads to like, you know, a, a revelation that could really shake the world and the relations between, you know, humans and replicants. And What is that revelation, Connor? Oh, we're going to get straight into it. Yeah. Well, you may as well. It's, it's, okay. It's, 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 tell the people. It's, so, it's, opening, have, it's opening 15 minutes. That you we're going to spoil anyway, the so. crap out of this movie. You'll find out that there is a box of bones <laughs> buried under a tree. And those box of bones belong to none other than Rachel, who just happened to be fucking pregnant. Rachel from Friends? Yeah. Oh. What's she doing? That, that <laughs> is in the box, mate. <laughs> yeah. Is it Ross's baby? Who knows? Uh-huh. Uh, nah. Um... It's Rachel, yeah, re- 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 replicant Rachel, replicant Rachel, replicant played Rachel. by Sean Young, and yeah, on upon this discovery, it could genuinely like it. It could have started a war between the humans and the androids, and that kind of focuses on it. So he has to track down Rick Deckard, who was you know affiliated with her, and sort all this big mess out. And um, yeah, so when you watched it in the cinemas as well, yeah? I watched it in IMAX 3D. You watched it in 3D? Yeah. Oh, you're so classless. Why How's is that, that classless? 3D. You yeah, watched Blade it Runner. It was beautiful 24- in 3D as well. It was beautiful. To be fair, I imagine the projections, you know, like the digital advertising, I imagine that was yeah, quite yeah, cool. Everything, mate, it was beautiful in 3D, um, I promise you. There, it, there was nothing took away from the cinematography. Yeah. The beautiful mm. kind of... Um, What's the word? The silhouettes, uh, the beautiful kind of silhouettes that are very heavily used in yeah. this film. Doesn't take away from, just because it's 3D, I don't think it took away at all. I think it was more impressive watching it in 3D. I think um, it kind of lends itself to 3D, I think. Um, in well, terms to be fair, of I, the, I've not saw it in 3D. Some of the, yeah, in terms of like the holographic design, uh, yeah. uh, advertisements, the the flying cars. I think if any world's um, gonna look gonna be able to look good in 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 three D, I think it'd be that one. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like when it's uh, some big kind of desolate um, wasteland. I think that kind of it it sort of sucks you into it more. Um, look, Connor, you're a big kind of uh, shitter on three D. I know you are, <laughs> and Luke, I know you're not stuff. massive on it either. Yeah, I'm not giving me but headaches. Honest, I promise you guys. If you watch the right film in 3D, it can suck you. It can really, really enhance your cinema experience. Yeah. Do you want to know the first thing that I saw in 3D was? Uh, Tottenham versus Arsenal a few years ago. <laughs> really? <laughs> Danny Rose scored an absolute screamer. Oh, really? And then I never watched anything else, any sport again <laughs> on, in 3D. Oh, never watched sport in 3D. No. I, uh... Oh, God. You couldn't see where the players were. They all looked like were in the line. The, the first thing I watched in 3D was, I think it was Up. Spike is oh, 3D for me. Whoa, but that was beautiful. That's not real. That was the oh, that's old school 3D, man. That's like the magazine glass. Yeah, 3D in it. Yeah, that's my first time. Yeah, well, that it. was my first time as well. Well, then don't lie. Do you know? Well, what no, mean? but I mean, I'm talking real 3D. Yeah, I know what you mean. You Mine know. was probably Avatar. I think. I think. Was Avatar the first 3D film? It was then? the first one I yeah. saw anyway. Oh, okay. Well. I think it was the second 3D film. I was reading it. You know that uh, Empire podcast on James Cameron. Yep. 
I think you friends were listening. Yeah, yeah. Friends of the show I think he mentioned that it wasn't. The, it was like literally the second friend of the show, or, James Cameron. That could be it. That could be untrue. By the way, overrated director. He could fund us. You know, he could give us some friend of the show. Yep, James Cameron. Yeah, Thank you very exactly, much. Connor, hit us with some questions. Okay, right. I just I was gonna, I was going to just give you a little. What well, uh, I want to tell you how I felt about this film because uh, you know. It's yeah, so I, I feel like we've not been asking you enough, but no, I feel like you're so... I just don't want to go off e- on a tangent, You're such man. an expert, Connor. You're just I'm such an expert, from an expert on Blade Runner. I'm just a lunatic Connor, fan. tell me how you felt going in... Shitting myself. ...to your first Terrified. viewing of Blade Runner 2049. So when it came out two years ago in 2017, and it was it was one of those films where, like, you know, you know when you want something, but you don't know if it's a good idea? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, I really want a sequel. I want it to be back in that world. Yeah. And even if it was going to be 30 years like later. like when I ordered the McDonald's last night. I really wanted it, but didn't. So weird. I, I also was going to say, Domino's I got Domino's last night. <laughs> and I was like, oh, should I do this? But I yeah. did it and goddamn well, I did Imagine that, it. but yeah, it means a bit more. At least in my head, anyway. To you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I don't know, man. Their Maltese and McFlurries are pretty fucking good. They are, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, not advertised, but if you'd like to send us from <laughs> McFlurries, McDonald's, come at us. We'd love you to bits. Um, not really and uh, yeah I was I was honestly shitting it going in because I mean I trusted Denis Villeneuve I think he's an incredible director and Roger Deakins in cinematography Ryan Gosling's an incredible actor but just because you have good key components doesn't mean that mm. a film is going to come together and you're going to enjoy it like you know you kind of hope you should and as soon as I saw the so after the first opening 15 minutes the little scuffle between Kay and um, Sapper you have the the kind of iconic flying into the city and the new score that comes in, I think it's done by Hans Zimmer. It was started by Johan Johansson, but Hans Zimmer came on and finished the project. Um, you have this new score and the, it's, it's just felt like coming home. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It felt because That's it's nice. such a yeah. special place in my heart. It, it was, oh man, it, it was one of my favorite cinema experiences ever. And I'll never forget the first time I watched it. Great. And it was an IMAX, but not in 3D. Maybe I should watch it in 3D. Amazing. Yeah. I think uh, my number one cinema experience is going to be realised later when I go and watch Fast and Furious Hobbs and Shaw. So how did you... Right, okay. Let me let me get into it. So you obviously... I'll come to, come to you first, Luke. You watched the original and then you watched 2049. How did you felt the world's kind of compared? Because you're revisiting a world that you yourself just said that you fell... You kind of fell in love with it. You kind of really mm. admired it. Um, how did you feel about it? Um, I felt so... What I I loved the world. I loved like the the way. It, like, look, it was quite dark. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they. Whether it's just, um, whether it's just because the films are made so far apart, or whether it's purposeful, I think the the world feels slightly brighter. I mean, I know a lot of the cinematography is like a lot of like the desert land, so it's bright orange. Yeah. You see, like that's like there's the, a lot think, of bright yeah. blues and it's stuff. The radiation, though, isn't it that they're trying to? Well, good on radiation. It looks delightful. But yeah. um yeah I think the world I don't know I find it I find it tough to compare I felt like I was back in the same world which is obviously I suppose what you want um yeah that's all yeah that that's all I've kind of got I on do feel one. like I feel like you're in a more advanced version of that world which makes sense as it's yeah it's 30 years 30 in the years future, into yeah. the future mm. um yeah. Uh, okay. Well, it I, felt I, I, like it felt like the world had been black mirrored slightly, which is I think what you want. Yeah. So, like you say, like it is, it is an you know, it's a thirty year progression a bit more from the beginning. So it's kind of like 
they give it a more of a spin that will make us now a bit feel more like of it's like a, a little, technological yeah like a bit more oppression. dystopian <laughs> yeah. kind of yeah yeah dystopian is a great word yeah. actually yeah it's um, very very dystopian yeah, yeah but the first one is also dystopian no so but the fact that they how can, can you build on dystopia to make it even more dystopian because well, it's more because relevant to modern dystopian day was dystopian then would be what not what we maybe necessarily expect no. there's a great now. quote by um, Walt Disney who said when they were making Tomorrowland like the, the Tomorrowland Disney park or whatever yeah they should call it yesterday land because like if you make the future now in 20 years time it's, it's mm-hmm. going to be a totally different future from what you imagine in 20 yeah. years time and that's kind of what it's like yeah so like in um if you look at the it, you know you know the scene in Blade Runner where you're kind of like analyzing an image and he's saying like okay 38 six here move in on this mm. okay back a little bit mm. turn go left like the whole idea of voice control in that is insane because obviously they didn't know what a fucking mouse was, did they? Like, no. Here's, what, so here's what I thought on that. Yeah. So yeah, it's like, oh yeah, they can. You've got a voice control. Yeah. And then you look at the computer. And shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, they don't think about. I flat like screens. that though in a weird yeah, way. Yeah. They're just like, you know what? We'll yeah. add a little bit of Siri on there, but I'll, we won't. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> and then in this one, they've got FaceTime. You know, like so they're yeah. getting advanced. Yeah, they are, aren't they? Yeah. Um, so okay, well I'll come in properly then. What what did you give me your first impressions then? I'll come to. Liam first. Yeah. How too, did you feel about it the first uh, time you watched it? Too long. Yeah, same. The, uh, like half an hour too long. Um, yeah, half an hour too long. Definitely half an hour too long. Um, really well acted. Um, maybe a little bit too... Kind of to do with the whole half an hour too long. I think maybe the script runs a little flat in parts. Mm-hmm. Um, beautifully shot. Like that is incredible. I think that might be yeah. one of the most beautiful films I've watched recently. Um, after Avengers Endgame, obviously. <laughs> <Fuck>. <laughs> Joking. Um, He's not. He's really not. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think kind of you can really appreciate the effort that's gone into scoping out some of these locations to yeah. get like the perfect shot for this film. Completely. Um, one shot in particular is like the the silhouette of Ryan Gosling as he's going into kind of this orange abyss beautiful, when he's off it? on his way to find. Uh, Deckard, it's yeah. incredible. I don't really know what's up with all the really massive uh, sex doll looking statue Statues. ladies. It's meant to be Las um, Vegas, isn't it? Is it? Decadence and, and hedonism. Right. And, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Fair that enough. looks lovely. That, that, that scene is. And that, that's just, that's the shot that I'd seen of the film. Before. It's a shot you probably saw me retweeting 45 yeah, million times. Is, <laughs> yeah, yeah, what, yeah. what I do really like about this film is how it, um, how it really does uh, nail the kind of whole secluded loneliness of you know being a replicant in this world now Mm -hmm. um there's a lot of kind of like race uh uh, kind of tensions that come into this uh obviously ryan gosling's character is now well he is a he is a replicant and he's walking literally just walking to his job i think and some some guy shouts in his face was it skin crawler or something like that skinner i think oh skinner yeah um which is obviously some kind of racist remark. Yeah, they used to call them skin jobs in the skin original. jobs. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, that that's that's quite interesting. That's quite well done. And his loneliness is really, really highlighted and magnified when you meet his, I'd say, girlfriend. Maybe. Yeah. Um, what What's her name? Joy. Joy, played by uh, Anna De Armas, who is. A, like a hologram robot who he can't touch. Or... It's like imagine having Alexa that was like dead yeah. fit in your house. That's yeah. what it's like. But then mm. you kind of fall in love with her. Dead fit. Don't be so misogynistic. Connor. Sorry. Gosh. Incredibly beautiful in your eyes. <laughs> um, look, how did you feel then? Because just give me your first impressions, whether you liked it, didn't like it. And then we'll get on to, you know, a bit more of the details afterwards. I liked, so I liked all the component parts. So it, the way I felt about it was like, 
all the Lego bricks were great, and then but you put it together and it just made like a you shit. Made it, you made it, it just you made, made a like big, a brown emoji a, poo. A big black box is yeah. what you made. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it, and it was just. I honestly agree with Liam. I think it was entirely to do with the length. Mm-hmm. So I think because Bla- so Blade Runner's just 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 shy of two hours. Yeah, and the and the pacing is slow and considered and steady. I think for a slow, considered, steady movie, that's almost like your peak, really. Mm-hmm. Just shy of two hours. Unless, like yourself, who is like, you, you're enamored with the world and like you could actually put... I mean, I, I can imagine you could probably watch three Five. and a half, four hours of it, you know, and, and not necessarily get too bored. Yeah, but I think... I just got to the point where I... I, I think I said in our group chat, I was like, fuck me. I just, it's 19 minutes and I just want to fucking float yeah. away. It's... Uh, to be fair, I had a... Vi- I, when my first watch, I had a real issue with the length. I came out and... and I remember saying that like, I I loved that film so much, but something didn't sit right with me, and I think it was the fact that I did feel a little bit like, okay, where's like where's this going? Because mm. it felt a it felt a bit more of a generic arc in terms of how K develops and yeah. what's going to come. Mm-hmm. But then the actual end, I remember feeling a bit like lost. I didn't want it to end. I didn't want it to happen. But at the same time, I kind of wanted to get out of the yeah. cinema. I so think I can, I the, can completely the, empathize the, with that. The component parts I liked were so I thought it was gorgeous. It's I thought the story was like story was decent. Like mm-hmm. s- not dissimilar to Blade Runner where the story the story kind of just is the story and it's yeah. but it doesn't need to be anymore because there's so much other things going on. I like Gosling. I like that Harrison Ford wasn't in it loads. I agree. So I like the fact that he, yeah. I mean if it's if it's two and a half hours long he probably comes into it what about an hour and ten, an hour and twenty in? It's longer than that. Yeah. Because it got to a point where I paused it and was like I thought Harrison he Ford was he, in this film. He literally film. doesn't come into it until the last the last maybe, third really, isn't it? Probably. I, th- I think, think I paused minutes? it. No, it's it's way shorter than that. You think so? I think not it's in it that long at all. The last thirty five minutes, I'm pretty mm. sure it is. I like I, that. I though. paused it because I was trying to see when he actually goes into the house and when he actually first mm. meets him. I think it's about thirty five minutes, oh, maybe the... maybe forty at a push left of the film wow. to go. And that's two considering it's on it? for two and two forty five. Yeah. He's only in like yeah a very small but, portion. Wow. Yeah, he, he, yeah, he really is. I like that though. Um, I like that they can make a film kind of semi-standalone mm-hmm. and they can only bring in a character that's previously been in the world when it's needed, not yeah. like, oh, we'll get Harrison Ford and Nick is a big name and they'll push the yeah. franchise, well, not franchise, but push the sequel even further. Um, but yeah, I just, I'm going to, I am I am going to watch it again at a point, but I just don't know when I'm going to be ready yeah, for that. Yeah, you're not exactly yeah. like, you're not going to be, oh, I can't wait to watch Blade Runner, you're, but you're like, mm-hmm. in 2049, I can I can watch yeah. it in a yeah, couple yeah. of months yeah. to a it's, year, maybe so It's five weird years. with <laughs> 2049, it kind of has a lot of components as a blockbuster, but it really isn't a blockbuster. No. It doesn't conform to any uh, blockbuster kind of tropes at yeah. all. I think that's why this as well sometimes can be a little bit jarring, similar to the first Blade Runner, in that... Because it's so long, you do find yourself a little bit lost at times because it's not something that it's not a narrative that you're used to uh, in the way that it's kind of you know you f- you follow like you expect uh, if it if you were expecting some kind of blockbuster, which I'm sure many many mm, people yeah, were, people will do, um, you'd expect some kind of I suppose you do get the opening act. There's a little there's a little scuffle um, with Dave Bautista's character, and then you have. Uh, the realization of uh, what's gonna then set the narrative along, which yeah. is the bones of Rachel. Rachel, thank you. Um, but there's no real uh, final, big final act. Um, I suppose there's a little um, altercation, isn't there, between Kay and uh, Love? Yeah. Lo- Kay and Love. Um, 
when they're trying to uh, get to the actual the the daughter the the replicant daughter um i don't know i just felt it was a little i don't know i don't know if they could have maybe done something a little bit more spectacular at the end but then i kind of appreciate that they didn't uh and they kind of straight they kind of kept more to the uh the original format of very subtle yeah i i think when i came out of this film i think why it became so like i will swear by this film i love it so much and i still love it in fact i love it more than when i saw it in the cinema but it it does this incredible thing of it's it's so confident in being able to it takes a lot longer than you know the original to not even get going but just to fucking play out to you know mm. until the credits run but I think it pays the original such a respect that it's so concerned with making sure every element of nuance and the ideas and the themes that it, that the original has tried to convey and like just pushed for the audience to to kind of you know take in and and analyze by themselves. It's so it's so okay with making sure that they're doing them justice that it'll take as much time as it wants. And I think that's why it can be incredibly off-putting for people. Even myself, when I walked out, and I was like, something about that runtime doesn't sit right with me. And now that with the benefit of watching it, I can, I'm going in with the rewatch. I know what I'm getting myself in for, mm. do you know what I mean? Yeah. And even if, I think I must have knew it was two hours and 45 long, but I didn't realize it would be as slow mm. because I'm not used to that way of storytelling in contemporary cinema, do you yeah. know what I mean? That's just not, especially what you would kind of almost consider blockbuster. It's not. But it's a spe- certainly it's a spectacle Liam's right though. It's certainly got I mean, it's certainly got components that would that you wouldn't be silly for thinking it. You go yeah. in there expecting a little bit more blockbuster. I think yeah. what why it differs though as well is because there's no release. That's why it's like it's not like uh, build up massive fight scene, build up massive revelation. It's more of just like build up little bit of details mm. thrown out mm. to the side another questions yeah, yeah. asked build up another questions asked but it's just quite it is i think questions, what, it, it? that's the point and it's once again it doesn't answer any questions but yeah. it just kind of makes you think even more on them one thing i wrote down that i really liked about this film more than blade runner mm-hmm. i didn't like it more than blade runner this, no, but is, one element, this is one yeah. element that i did is the character development of of its protagonist yeah k's developed incredibly well it's yeah it's, it's so well done and i think the underlying story arc of um uh, underlying sorry the underlying story arc mm-hmm. um is the whole um who is the the, the replicant baby child yeah so <laughs> it's it's revealed that obviously sean i keep saying sean young that's the actress rachel has had a child and with deckard and the you know this child is essentially like messianic almost it's like mm. the figure of there's a, a kind of an un, un under, underground revelation that isn't expanded on too much, and that's something I have an issue with. We'll get onto that later. But the, it's kind of like the figure of this can be a symbol of real change and real progress for the replicant species. Yeah. Uh, we're going to say species. Yeah. Mm. And the identity is kind of a mystery, and, and it, it kind of becomes Kay's mission to find out who it is, and, and he starts to believe it's himself yeah. and that really got me because I thought it was going to be yeah. I fully thought it was going to be and but I it's like, very clever how, how how it does come about because it's essentially um, he has been uh, is it see this is how I interpreted okay. interpreted this is that the actual child yeah. has scattered certain memories into different replicants minds Okay, and we only obviously realise uh, this memory in K, um, which is hiding a wooden horse in an orphanage um, mm-hmm. when he's being chased by a group of lads. 
um, boys. <laughs> he's a kid as well. Yeah, like, he's, yeah. yeah, just you know, he's it's a, child a childhood well. yeah, memory. He's, he's, a child, yeah. he's not like forty-five-year-old gay um, <laughs> running about with a horse. And the moment, the moment when the moment that makes you think, "Oh my God, this is this is this is real." Yeah. Is this is uh, his um, what he believes is actually true? Mm-hmm. Is when he goes to this uh, orphanage and finds this wooden toy. And looks on the back of it, and it has the date of birth yeah. on the toy, which is the same date of birth, which is written on the tree from the start of the film. So then you suddenly, obviously, obviously, everyone, uh-huh. everyone thinks, oh the connection my, is made. Oh my God, K, Joe as well. He's also called. Oh yeah, 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 um, yeah. K is is real. He's a real boy. Mm-hmm. He's a real boy. And I think I think even Joy says that to him uh, at says, one point. Says you're a real boy. You need a real name now. And yeah. Then, she calls him Joe, and I don't know. It's, I think it's really, really, really well done. I think that one, like, kind of element of the film is incredible. Yeah. I think it's so, so amazing. Um, it's actually really different from the original as well. Yeah, because, yeah. like you said, they give him so they give so much more time to the protagonist that makes you care about him. Mm. And yeah. essentially, it's revealed essentially that he's a nobody. He's a nobody character. Yeah, you know what I mean, he's just he's just developed empathy and went on, and that's why it expands so well on the, the teachings of the original do you know what I mean because yeah. it's all about empathy yeah that, that, that <laughs> sorry that's all I had to say okay, on that okay, on that okay, point okay, I, okay. I don't really no it's fine I, I'm so did you quite enjoy the character of, of Kay then more than Deckard yeah, actually he's, he's more accessible mm. he, completely yeah. more accessible because you care more about yeah him. I think that's the one benefit of having the the 245 runtime is that you you have that extra time to play with yeah. to develop the character mm. um yeah i'm not sure what would have happened if they'd have cut cut some things out i think maybe the whole the whole kind of uh resistance uh side of the narrative could have been cut but then they only focus that on they only focus on that uh, that part actually, for about 10 minutes yeah yes. it, 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 so it, it's not even about that it's com- comes and go- it comes and goes yeah i think this is actually this is one of the only i think the only thing that bothers me about this film is that they is that it's so they deal with that so lightly and and yeah. I understand why because it's already two hours and forty five minutes long or whatever, but I feel like that slows it down, and I think it ha- it's building quite a nice momentum and even yeah. though it's very long like i can get i I can do long films, but the momentum's there, and then you have this jar and scene where he's you know he's revealed to the resistance and he he confronts the leader and says like it like it's me i'm I'm the kid or yeah. whatever and She's like, nah, <laughs> nah, and, bro. Yeah. It's not yeah. don't, don't you think as well? I think by including this scene of the resistance and the leader saying that you know we're building an army to fight the humans, um, I think it sets up uh, for a sequel in a lot of people's minds. Th- a yeah. lot of people's yeah, minds. No, I not, th- not. I, th- I know that they're not going to make it. I know you, you guys know that they're probably ne- never going to make it. Possibly, maybe, whatever. Yeah. But you know, money's a, a fine thing, isn't it, in in the movie business? But I think for like a casual cinema goer, they'd see that and be like, right, where's my Blade Runner 3? Mm. There's a resistance. <laughs> yeah. They're building I up. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. if you mention something about something so important and so huge as a massive replicant mm. army that are uprising in, 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 in the shadows to kind of overhaul the, the humans that have kind of um, downtro- uh, downtrodden them and uh, yeah, you know, them. oppressed them for, for almost like, what, 50, 60 years, however long they've been about... That's huge, really. Yeah. That when you think about it, that is massive. And to just kind of say that and then leave yeah, it. Yeah, spend what, fifteen minutes, Mike. Yeah, on it. I just think it's so. I, I think that's 
really, really stupid. Unless you, unless for, they 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 are going to do a sequel. I know Ridley Scott can't leave anything alone anymore, so I wouldn't be surprised well, if he, he decides only, to he go only, back in. He only produced this one, but yeah, yeah but you know, um, some of the, some of the some of the themes in both of these films are a bit like. I mean, I mean, I'm going to say it are a bit Prometheus, but they're actually the other way round. Yeah. really, but yeah. only because I've seen I've seen Covenant and Prometheus. But it, the, the 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 tone is so similar though in some of them. You can kind of tell. Those, you, you can tell. I know. Doesn't I know mean it was that originally adapted. I like the uh, late the last alien films and that. I've but only like, watched Prometheus. I like that you can tell that right. he's exploring the same thing and there's the same kind of tone, in, especially when the machine is talking to like the the human and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's just done. I know it's what you mean. Be- and like he's done it better. better he's it. done it better. Mm. That's the thing. Like you've already done it better. You don't mm. need to do it. Yeah, yeah. How did we like the introduction, the reintroduction of uh, Deckard? Oh in, man! In this, I could talk for five million hours about this. I think it's incredible. Yeah, I love it so much, man. And I what's think... your take on what he's been doing uh, for, I, for the last thirty I don't years? Ca- I don't. I don't care. He's just been in isolation. His his role was to hide, and I find well, that yeah. so. <laughs> I find that so. Oh, I was going to. Yeah, I was going. I was going to make. Bit of a blue joke, but I won't. I won't. Uh, okay, well, we can do that one off. Here. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was going to make a Liam as, as, yeah, as we call yeah, it. You're going to you're gonna say he's been doing something so much he's going to go blind. Is that no, I wasn't. Oh, I was yeah. going to say he's been doing Rachel because they've had a kid. Well, yeah, he did, and then he, well, he, he pissed off. Yeah, they they essentially only had uh, max nine months together after. After Blade Runner finishes, and then he has to go. Chance would be a fine thing. Chance would be a fine thing. <laughs> fine yeah. thing indeed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that is quite sad when you think about it. Like they're totally in love with each other. Yeah, like, I, um, I find that that's another little element. The, the, the realization, the realization that they he really he would literally have only had nine months with her. Yeah, and then it would have it been... makes the end so much more sweet though. Oh God, the end of this. I I think it's that's why it's one of the best sequels ever made but we'll get onto that later because I'm going to go off on one later yeah well you know what I mean um, <laughs> I do I do really enjoy the revelation or the reintroduction I should say yeah. of, of Deckard's character because he is so synonymous with Blade Runner and when when it was talked about oh they're doing a sequel it's like well, nobody wants old Harrison Ford on a bike for three hours like I mean I wouldn't say no to it but um, oh he's coming back as Indiana again next year yeah so. well no oh, one else is, is Indiana Jones yeah um, oh, he it did feel initially. I did get up until you know the fight. They have like a little mm, fight scene between the two of them, and uh, it's in. Pl- it's taking place in this like Las Vegas lounge. Yeah, mm. the whole el- so the, cool. the Elvis the hologram Elvis in the background. Scene, is so I cool. hated it the first time I saw oh, it. Oh, really? I liked it. And now I'm like, that's genius. <laughs> like that's so. Just because I was like, this is Blade Runner. Take it seriously. Yeah. And then I, I love I, lo- <laughs> I love the moment when he's uh, when Kay is just allowing Decker to do. Dis- yeah, batter the hell out of him. Yeah, uh, and then he says Harrison Ford, who is an old dude, is just like, oh my god. Yeah, should we get a drink? Oh my god, yeah, we'll <laughs> yeah just have a drink. drink. Yeah, instead, yeah, instead of me, kill it, almost killing myself trying to kill you. Yeah. Uh yeah. It just it made me incredibly, incredibly happy, but it's not a happy film at all. What I love about uh, there's one little moment where Kay asks uh, Deckard if the dog is real. Yeah. And he just says, "Well, what do you think?" And that's like because. Whenever that's the whole. That's like literally. That is the question. The the question that should be above every single Blade Runner poster. And does it well, matter? What do you think? Yeah, <laughs> that is in like, a microcosm, isn't it? Like yeah. that's so. That's that was such a good line. That was so as, so and brilliant. As, as and well so as clever. That, that's every every time Ridley Scott asks or is asked like, "Oh, is Deckard a replicant?" He's like, "Well, what do you think?" Yeah. 
he's already said that he thinks he is, but he thinks he is. He does not does not mean yeah. that he is. You know what I mean? So yeah. He's not the right. I, I really story, do enjoy he? that that kind of level of I don't know. Make make your own fucking mind up. Yeah. You know what I mean, yeah. yeah. But that's that's good. That's yeah, what is good. good. That, that's what you want. And you don't always need to be spoon fed. And essentially, it doesn't matter because all no. you do is you feel empathy for him, and that's why. And there's quite there's a lot of there's a lot of things in this in, in sci-fi as well that kind of touch on wider issues and sci-fi can be a great vehicle for it and like mm. you touched on earlier Liam they have this there is kind of I'm going to call it like race relations between humans and the AI yeah that's what I said but it's a, yeah that's why I was humans saying. and the replicant sorry and then you have another third level introducing this with the AI the artificial intelligence Joy's character who's essentially like the replicant's replicant. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And it's like and that, it's kind of like yeah. a it's kind of like a, a chain point, of yeah. command. The introduction of her is really heartbreaking because she's so she's so sweet and innocent and she's so kind to him. Mm-hmm. But then you know there's the, the the not the it's not even a revelation, but it's it's very very uh, uh, focused on and in your face that you know so many other people have got the same version of what you've got. And it's after it's after she gets well, taken away. She gets taken and that's, away, yeah. that's the I love that piece of sign design as well where. She goes to say, I love you, and love stamps on her. And as soon as she goes, it's like, you say, hear like the, I hope you like our product. Yeah, she says, oh, I hope you enjoyed our product. Yeah, and stamp- like, you yeah. She's, she, she's by the incredible. way, is incredible. She's yeah. incredible. She's yeah. so good. I, there's, uh, there's one line that I want to say just before I forget yeah, it. I, want, I, I was going to ask what's your favorite part, but give me your favorite man. Yeah, go on the, ahead. So um, there's the line where Ryan Gosling talks about a soul, and um, what's, oh, what's her name? Uh, Forrest Joshi. Woman. Woman in Forest Gump. Yeah, and Princess Diaries. Robin, is it Robin Wright? Yeah, she says. Lieutenant, uh, Lieutenant Josh. Yeah. She says you're doing um, fine without one. You're doing and just he says, fine without one. He says without what? And she says a soul. And then he just stands and, and like looks a minute. Yeah. Um, oh. I, I just thought that was like a. It's like a ruthlessly good line. It to is have a in really there. good line. It is a really good line. Like I, she just doesn't give a. She doesn't give a fuck. Do you have a favorite moment then? Can we do? Our, we'll do our favorite moments. What we didn't like, and then we'll wrap up. Okay. Yeah. Do you sure. have a favorite moment? My, my favorite moment is when he upgrades Joy, and uh, they go out in the rain. It's beautiful. And there, he's like, well, trying to stroke her face. Like she doesn't. Yeah. She's not there, is she? Essentially. No. So, oh yeah. And he's trying to end. like touch her face, and this is some a person who isn't real trying to touch a person who is less real than him. Mm. And then all of a sudden, the phone calls. The phone goes, and she freezes, and it's like. Right, this even this kind of little moment of uh, something real to him in this moment has just been completely ruined by the fact that she isn't real. By his, by the reason he's about the by yeah. his job, by like yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I just think that's so beautiful. It was so beautifully shot, and it just highlighted the fact of how lonely he is and how I don't want to say it's it's not it's kind of pathetic in in a way. That I know what you mean. It, though it's pathetic, but. It's pathetic because he's been so oppressed yeah. by everything else. Yeah. As well as that, you can tell that Denis Villeneuve, the director, who's just he just knows what he's doing. He's so in yeah. tune with Blade Runner, like the, the idea and the the kind of everything that stems from Blade Runner. But I influence. think he's so in uh, he is so in tune with emotion and empathy. Anyway, I mean, you His, only have to yeah. watch Arrival to, yeah. which is a film about that essentially some weird felt like the warm aliens. You only have to look at that film. And see the empathy in that film, yeah. which is how you create empathy in a film with aliens that look like that as well. His like, first it's... film is incredible. Well, it, the first film I watched him in Incendies about like a foreign reporter in, in the Middle East is, is all the same. It's about two clashing ideologies and developing empathy. So he's the mm. perfect fit for a film like this. Yeah. And Prisoners as well Pri- is another <sighs> one, which is like a 
perfect character study. Yeah. Like shot by Roger Deakins as yeah. well. Do you have a favorite moment? Um, I like the end bit, and I can't remember what the exact quote is, but I'm sure you'll be able to help me out. Um, so he like pulls um, Harrison Ford and Ryan Gosling get out of the water, and then he's th- does he say something like um, people think I'm dead, and he says you are dead. Yeah, can I go and see you? I like that bit yeah, a lot. Yeah, it's good. I like isn't that. It? And that, a lot of things that I like in films are generally usually the, the words, like yeah, the, the, yeah, the, mm. the writing. Yeah, um, there are some good lines in this. Probably movie. To, like to do with my job, like, but um, I do like it's the words or like because because I think when you can relate to something, you can be like. That was the best things are things that you kind of go. Why didn't I think of that? Or yeah. like, oh, it's because it's fucking great. Because he's a fucking genius. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And, it, and I think that's why I do like a lot of lines. But that there, where he's just kind of like, yeah. you are dead. It's go and see your daughter. I have. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go off. Like I've got 25 favorite things about this film. Mm-hmm. I do really enjoy the just the scene before that, the kind of fight scene between Love and and um, Kay, because it's not like. I don't see Blade Runner in any way. It's not really an action movie, but the moments of action can be really enjoyable and they can kind of help tell the narrative. And you have... It's because of how it's shot, man. I think so. Essentially, Kay confronts uh, Love, who's taken Deckard off-world, is what uh, the thingy's character, Neander Wallace, says, to torture him and gain information on where this child is and whatever. And... um, yeah, he, he confronts him to stop that happening and he does eventually get it down to where it's just him and Love that are standing between saving Deckard or killing Deckard. And um, the fight scene between them is so... It reminds me so much of the original because instead of having just constant downpour, you have, like, oppressive beatdown of waves crashing into this and it's like a different evolution of what has come before and now you, you're kind of seeing a manifestation of what you've saw from the original the kind mm. of nothing matters it'll just float away like tears in the rain and now it's like it, water can be used as like a form of absolution where you kind of forgetting everything and washing away your sins and that final confrontation and then his decision to despite the fact that it, Kay has been given a lethal wound and he's about to die he still goes he's still empathetic and he still saves Deckard and then to your line says you're dead and I go, go meet your daughter. daughter. Yeah. That's so beautiful. I have a question about uh, Sylvia Hoek's character, <clears throat> Love. Go. What is driving her? Because to you be s- the best, I think. No, but you... S- so when uh, Jared Leto's character... Um, <coughs> what's his name? Neander Wallace. Neander Wallace. When he um, essentially births this uh, brand new replicant oh, and then yeah. murders her. Well, she's in the background crying. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think every- you see a lot of pain in her... Um, surrounding like the uh, torture of replicants Isn't and no, I don't I know see if that maybe... completely differently you know oh, like, I, like you... Uh, just like I, I, I like where you're going with this because that also adds to the point of her the fact that she can feel clear empathy yeah if that's how it is developed I, I that think that I you. think there might be a different reason why she's so desperate to um, find the find the child Okay. I think uh, I think maybe she is also after some sort of meaning of life. Do you think as well. she's also trying? That's kind of a redemption arc for her. I as well. think so too. I that's think that's a really really nice. Thing. I think when you see, I, I think obviously there's a reason why you see kind of pain in a character's face at certain moments in yeah, a scene. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's all important. I don't. I don't think. I think that uh, when you see her kind of, kind of like tearing up at moments where she's seeing other replicants being hurt and tortured. Um, Kind of her face when she's uh, trying to kill Joe originally. Like, I know she does say the line after she thinks she's killed Kay. She says, "I'm the best." I'm the best. 
Um, yeah, so there might be that part of her which is a little bit sinister and is wanting to be the strongest replicant. Yeah. But I think there's also a part of her that is kind of in crisis as well. Um, I, can, I, I can see, I can get on board with that. I think it's probably more, it's probably more accurate that it, there's two clashing ideas in her head. There's yeah, two definitely. different isn't, concepts. Yeah. Isn't the thing about the replicants that they can learn, like, do they not learn emotions? Do they not, like, develop emotions? Yeah, that, yeah, exactly, so yeah. is it not just a fact that her, as her lifespan goes on, she's developing these emotions because you know if you imagine it it's like let different i imagine it weirdly like different levels so like yeah. the older you get the more you develop an, an emotion a bit like probably a person mm-hmm. and there's the conflict of where she's developing the emotion of empathy but then also her personality drives her to want to be the best that's kind of maybe what i thought but I, so I, I can see it in the fact that i i can completely understand why you would think that she is clearly upset by the actions she's causing because I think that's exactly how Deckard feels when in the original. He, mm. he, you can see that his identity is breaking down in front of him and he's having a real crisis of faith here. I think there's even a moment where um, Roy Batty, yeah, when, he, when, when he's crushing the, uh, Tyrell's skull, yeah. his face, he looks like he's almost about to cry. He's, like he's, like so he's, he's got no other option. That's yeah, it. Like like he's, he's fucked. He's, yeah. he's confining himself to death, essentially. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but what I would say is that why I think she's the best is because in that birth scene with the rep, the replicant being born, you have um, the reason why the reason why he keeps trying to develop these replicants is because he wants a wider army of replicants. He wants a wider workforce that can mm-hmm. help him take over more than just well, that, yeah. That's the twelve why he, planets he that's he's what, conquered. Yeah, that's why he wants um, to find out how a child has been born because he says exactly. I want to turn millions into billions yeah. into trillions or something along no, those lines. Set, yeah, like Jay Z. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It's, but it, the idea that he still hasn't found it yet and the fact that she's been murdered is kind of, this is where her, you know, crisis of faith comes in because it's, it, on one hand, she's happy that she, like, that this hasn't been done. That, or, but, no, sorry, on one hand, she's upset that, that, that this replicant has been murdered. But on the other hand, she knows that she's still in first line. She's still the, her, like, the right-hand woman in this case everything about this film is just basically saying that nothing's black and white yeah and everything's he, a shame including right? literally that lit, the, literally the storyline there's, there's, there's people there's in so the film nuance, there's so many yeah. people in the film involved in the film and they all probably think a different thing and yeah. it's like that's like a microcosm of this is what whole, the whole film is and life and that's li- why it's and yeah. life and what a be- what a yeah. no better way than to kind of round it off do you reckon yeah I think maybe one of the final things that yeah, we should maybe touch on is the actual ending so there's the yeah. final shot with Kay which I know Connor absolutely loves and then also the closing shot with uh, with Harrison Ford's character Deckard yeah okay. what was the clo- I can't remember the closing shot is him just meeting his daughter isn't and, it yeah, oh okay puts yeah. his hand on the it's oh just, yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah it's yeah, nothing yeah. incredibly uh, like in terms of the, the shot but this it's the point what it, the what poignancy of that moment and is really beautiful so the the line, my favorite line in the film is someone. I think it might be the leader of the resist, resistance says to Kay that um, dying for something you believe in. There's nothing more human than that, and that's essentially what his character arc is. Is it like this average Joe, if you want to call him? Yeah. Is he's so he's so caught up in a story that he thought was based upon him, but it wasn't, and he realizes he's got a wider part to play in affecting the lives of others. And in the end, it didn't matter. It didn't. A, it didn't way. matter for him, but it mattered for other people, and that's the, mm. that's how I see it. And that's how it matters to yeah, in the yeah, wider yeah, arc yeah. of things. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He's essentially brought a family together, but in a wider, you know, aspect, he's brought the father of this, you know, messianic child back to the kid. Do you know what I mean? So, it, but he's told not to do that. 
Yeah, I know he is. By the resistance, by the leader of the resistance. Yeah, he, so, he, he tells him to kill, kill her. Yeah, he, yeah, he tells him, Kay to kill Deckard. Um, yes, yeah. So what, what do we make of that now that... What, what do you think would happen? Oh, I have no idea. Like, what do you think would happen afterwards, after enough, the man. fact... Uh, bearing in mind the resistance who want to uh, have this uprising against the humans, they wanted, they want Deckard dead because they believe that the safest way uh, for the daughter to stay alive is is so the father would be dead and yeah. the, like that's the reason that no he, affiliation to never yeah. know that was her father. Yeah, um, I don't know what would happen exactly, but that's it's... that's kind of part of the thing because like once again you're left in at least in my position and I'm guessing kind of in yours you're left kind of wanting more. You don't really want it, but you want to know what's going to happen. Yeah, no, I don't want. I don't want <laughs> another like, three hours of Blade Runner three Blade Runner Rise 30. of the Resistance. Yeah. Like mm, I don't yeah. want that. Like, Twenty ninety-seven that does not fit. The would it? No, you know, if, you know it, I mean? like, if it did, I'd be once again incredibly upset. No. And very skeptical. But yeah, you don't want to turn Blade Runner into Fast Terminator. Fucking Terminator. Do you know what I mean? That's yeah, it. Like, that's a. I said. Fast I, and Furious, I think what's nice. What's nice about you said is you can just think about what you think happens. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because you've got. Your take on the film will yeah. influence what you think. That, happens. That's just like any. That's just like any book, any any solo book. Uh, mm. You think, oh, you you're yeah. left to that sort of interpretation of what's going to happen mm. next. I think the only thing that you're given up, like a finite answer on, is the fate of K, and that's why, you know, changing it from tears in the rain to dying while snow's falling on you is just so more finite. And so oh, yeah, it's just it's such poetic filmmaking that you can't you can't. You can't deny that. Yeah, like, no. Do you want to know what this chat's done? I just made me want to watch, watch it, it again. again, yeah. And it's I've <laughs> done my and job. You know what? I last night, honestly, in the fucking group chat, I yeah. was like, this <laughs> film can fuck off. It's so long, it's too long. And now I'm like, oh, give me all right, that. Yeah. Let's get let's do um let's do popcorns. Yeah, let's let's do. Yeah, okay, well so do we'll do we'll do popcorns. I'm gonna come to I'm gonna come to Liam first, because I, I think Luke's popcorns may have changed from last night. Liam, mm-hmm. uh, if you had to give Blade on a twenty forty nine Popcorn rating out of a hundred. Seventy nine. Oh, I so can't. Very I can't high, give it. Man. I can't give it more than. 80. Did you give Blade Runner eighty? Yeah. Ah, okay, fair. I can't. Uh, give that's it, very high. I though. can't I, give I it more rate. than eighty. Yeah. Seventy nine. Look. Um, I think maybe sixty nine, maybe. But but bearing in mind that I'm, you know, I've, I've already. You're I have very said curious now. I've <laughs> said that I'm interested to watch it again, but yeah. it's gonna have to be kind of like. Give it some time. It's, yeah, it's gonna have to be. The right. I know what I'm getting myself in for, so there yeah. will be a right time. It's I'm very much looking forward to the episode where you've watched it again, and we can ask you what second you, take what, film yeah. club. <laughs> what, yeah. <laughs> no, we'll just ask you what you thought about yeah, it. Yeah, I'm yeah, going to give sure. it um, 87 popcorns. 87 nice. popcorns. As a, as a sequel to a legendary film, in my yeah, that view, is a fucking high. It's up there with the best sequels ever made. It's mm. up there with T2, Godfather Part Two, Aliens. Aliens. My opinion. Toy I'm Story probably two. wrong. Toy Story. Th- Toy Story 2 is pretty good but it's not as good as Blade Runner 2049 what are we doing um, next week okay right so we've had a, a brief little t- t- chat about what's coming next week and it's going to be a weird one but it's going to be a good one so the 40th anniversary of Apocalypse Now is coming out it's been re-released in cinemas across the UK and boy oh boy am I excited for that it's one of my favourite films ever I wrote my dissertation on it I love it that much and we're going to pair that with Quentin Tarantino's ninth and penultimate film 
Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Boys, how do you feel about that? Very excited. Very, very excited. I feel really good about it. It's just the maddest maddest combination of films. It's a weird parent, and it's going to be a very long... It's like when you've only got a certain amount of food in the house, and you put together, like, fucking pesto with chips or something. Chickpeas, pesto, and chip sandwich. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what we're doing. But it could be tasty. I'm super excited for it. We're super excited. Signing off from all of us. I've been your host, Connor Norcott. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.